All right, so we're in First uh, Timothy chapter one, and uh, we'll be picking it up in verse, um, well, verse one is where we left off. And uh, if you ha- if you uh, have your Bibles, let's go ahead and get there. Everyone, I'm sure, has a handout, so uh, we'll go from there. Did you need a handout? Oh, I yeah, I don't have an extra. I do in my bag in the office. So. Oops. What is what? What? It's raining prayer list. So, yeah, that's last week's prayer list. Prayer pieces, I should say. So, I'll give Amy, I'll, I'll go ahead and just in case we made it through point one, I think. Huh? So, First Timothy chapter chapter one, and um, last time we got together, we talked about just uh, in how important it is to you know be a light. Our relationship with the Lord provides authority, and we talked about that authority. Paul's relationship with Timothy. Our thesis is one is not fit to be an authority unless they're under authority. Paul was God's officer. Uh, Timothy was Paul's offspring. And God's relationship with um, Ephesus, we talked about that, and uh, and how Timothy's job was twofold: to give charge to those who troubled the city by teaching bad doctrine, and give charity out of a pure heart and faith unfeigned. And that's where we left off. And so tonight we're going to be reading um, um, verse two. We're going to make it all the way to verse two. So let's start in verse one and. And uh, work our way through the first five verses, and we'll pick it up. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope, unto Timothy, my own son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. As I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus, when I went into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some, that they teach no other doctrine, neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies, which minister questions rather than godly edifying, which is in faith, so do. Now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Lord Jesus. Thank you again for the singing and the, as I just amen everything Ron said. Lord, I just pray, God, that you bless the time we have in your word tonight and the time in prayer. Uh, thank you for what you have in our doing in our church even tonight. Lord, I just got a message from the Oaxaca team and they are on the ground with Joe right now. They just got there and are moving forward. We praise you for that. All the tracks are there. Everything was delivered safely. And, uh, Lord, I just pray, God, that you just help all the word of God go to the people of God that you have planned for it. We thank you and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so so our relationship with the Lord produces authenticity. So last week we talked about authority. Today we're going to talk about authenticity. Uh, last week we saw that one is not fit to be in authority unless they're under authority. And today we're going to see that unfeigned faith... Uh, produces undeniable fruit. Unfeigned faith produce, produces undeniable fruit. And so that is the, the blank there. Uh, our relationship with the Lord produces authenticity, and unfeigned faith produces undeniable fruit. So Timothy had uh, authentic faith. We see that in verse 2. Uh, Unto Timothy, my own son in the faith, uh, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father, and Jesus Christ, our Lord, he is—he's got legitimate faith. Um, the Greek word for my own—I uh, don't know if I can pronounce this right—but it's uh, uh, 
Nasius is how you say it. It's translated sincere and true in a couple other places in Scripture. It implies legitimate. Uh, Timothy is his his offspring, his legitimate son. Even though he's not physical, he's a spiritual, authentic fruit. Several years ago... um, um, there was a there was a hip hop dancer named MC Hammer, which I know you guys are all familiar with, and uh, he said that he was too legit, right, uh, to quit. So he was too legitimate to stop. And uh, and I don't know about that, but uh, sp- spiritually speaking, uh, you, Timothy is legitimately the son of in the Lord of the Apostle Paul, and he is a le- he's legitimate. Um, in regard to his relationship with God the Father as well. They share the same Father. And you can see that at the end of verse 2. He says, "In peace from God, our Father. They both share the Father and Jesus Christ, our Lord. Right? So it's not my Lord, uh, it's our Lord. And that's where our legitimacy comes from, <clears throat> from our Father. And his seed, his spiritual seed that is implanted when we get saved. And when we were born again, so Paul sent Timothy in his stead because he was the the same as Paul in faith. Now uh, turn back with me to keep your finger here. Don't go too far, but go keep a finger there and go back to First Corinthians <clears throat> chapter four. First Corinthians four, and look down here at verse fourteen. He says, "If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon." I'm in chapter three. Sorry, four fourteen. He says, uh, <clears throat> "I would not." Uh, I write these not these things to shame you, but as my beloved sons, I warn you. For though ye had ten thousand instructors in Christ, yet have, ye have not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Wherefore, I beseech you, be followers of me. For this cause I have sent uh, you uh, sent unto you Timotheus, who is my beloved son and faithful in the Lord, who shall bring you into remembrance of my ways, which be in Christ, as I teach everywhere in every church. And so... Um, Basically, you know, basically what Paul's saying is you need the influence of my uh, son, my legitimate son, Timothy, spiritually faithful son, not his biological son. And so in an age where kids are joining gangs and um, and uh, being distracted with technology and not feeling included, it's amazing with all these groups, they're not included. Uh, it's important that they understand the practical transformation the gospel brings in the heart of a young man. And it's it's remarkable how God changes a young man or a young woman. And, uh, you know, when you first come to Christ, it can be awkward. Uh, when I first came to Christ, uh, because a, a new male authority entered my life, I was under my father, my earthly father, until I was 16. And suddenly, in one day, on March 25th, 1987, this guy, Earl Cross, enters my life. Now, I knew him, but he wasn't. He wasn't an authority other than a teaching, a teacher in my life. But once I got saved, uh, God brought new new people into my life to help mold me and form me into the person God wanted me to be. And uh, all the time that I was under uh, Earl Cross and Herb Newton and other pastors of my church, I never once received instruction to rebel against my parents, by the way. No one ever said, you know what, now that you're following us, why don't you tell your mom and dad where to jump off in a lake? They never did that. It was always honor my parents. Why? Because they understood authority. And that's why God put them in authority and let them have influence in my life. And also because they were parents. So um, so I became much better as a son in Christ than I would have otherwise been.
been, is my point. Because of their influence, I became a better, more submissive child than I would have been without their influence. And so what every generation needs is is authentic, born-again men of God investing in authentic, born-again men of God. And that would absolutely change the world. I mean, it really does, not to dismiss the ladies and or minimize women at all, because obviously Timothy's, uh, the influence of his mom and grandmother were huge. But uh, at the end of the day, what was he lacking? Well, he was lacking a Paul. And uh, once he got Paul in his life, uh, man, it just took what mom and grandma did and, and put it on steroids. <clears throat> and so... Uh, Timothy, by the way, he was noted for in Acts. He was noted for being faithful before Paul showed up. So Paul was a faith, or Timothy was a faithful guy. Paul just continued to invest in him. And so, what every generation needs is that authentic, born again, uh, Bible believing male, uh, and as many as they can get, because that's what's ultimately going to get people that will change the world, take the gospel where it needs to go on time. So. Now, if we desire to have that type of relationship with Christ, then we have to be available to God's leading. And like the Corinthians, some get jealous if they don't have the time of the pastor. Uh, but what you need, to, what people have to understand, is a good father raises his sons to pioneer and to go out and reproduce themselves and others. And so the only way we to uh, reproduce perfection or completion, not perfect, you know, sinless perfection, but completion, is purity of heart. So there has to be an authentic faith. You can see that there's a connection here with uh, Timothy and Paul, and so much so that when Paul needed a representative in Corinth, he sent Timothy. Uh, so it was his it was his authentic son in the Lord, the one that he wanted to emulate him. So point B, uh, that comes with authentic charity. And we ended the point last week on this, on his job, <clears throat> was, was charity, fervent charity. Verse 5 says, Now the end of the commandment is charity, out of a pure heart and of a good conscience, and faith unfeigned. Right? So, uh, you know, if we could meet Timothy... Um, or if we could have met Timothy, we could not have denied he was born again. He his, he would have been the real deal. He was authentic. He had the same fruit as his daddy. He had a pure heart, he had a good conscience, and he had an undefiled faith. So Paul identifies the real problem of those who have gone off course. Uh, what is the real problem of those that are off course? Uh, there is no charity. Now, that doesn't mean we don't talk about charity. And I, when I say charity, I mean love. I'm not talking about giving it the Salvation Army bill. Uh, although, that's if you want to do that, feel free. Uh, but there's no Christian love. And their conscience has been defiled. And their faith has been corrupted from the simplicity that's in Christ. And it's just not authentic anymore. It's something other than what Jesus intended. And so... Um, if we love God, we will automatically love God's people, as I just said from First John, and lead them to Christ, not away from Him. So we, we've been talking a lot about evangelism and leading people to Christ, a relationship with Christ, but you can also see within the influence of the church, um, the membership of the church, just think about your own life. Is, is your influence in people's life bringing them into God's will, or is it taking them away from God's will? And you don't have to be a... You don't have to be a preacher, right? You don't have, I mean, that's all of us get to represent Christ the way we represent Christ. And we all have influence in people's lives. And so if you're following someone who's leading you away from Christ, I don't care if they call themselves a Christian or not, you need to, to uh, repent and cleave to those who are sincere in their walk with God. 
because there's all kinds of insincere Christians, and even in our church. And so we don't need to be messing around with, that's not the people you want to reproduce. And so authentic fruit is what we're looking for. That's point C, is authentic fruit. I think that's that makes sense. So you want authentic fruit, and that's ultimately... Um, the, displays God's Spirit in our lives. And you guys are familiar with Galatians 5 and the fruit of the Spirit. So I would hazard to guess that if we ran into Timothy, what we would see was a, a model of the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. And so that moves us to point 3. Praise the Lord. We're making some progress tonight. So our relationship with the Lord, it provides authority, it provides authenticity, and then our relationship with the Lord protects us from the uh, adversary. <clears throat> because we have one, don't we? And And so uh, the biblical fellowship, the thesis for this is the biblical fellowship keeps us from being shipwrecked and uh, swerving. Some of you may remember when I went through Timothy, we talked about this. 1 Timothy chapter uh, 3 and verse 6, Paul says, uh, Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into condemnation of the devil. And so uh, defiled fellowship takes us off course takes us off course. And I think what I meant to do there, that's the wrong reference. First 6 says of chapter 1, from which some having swerved have turned aside into vain jangling. It should be it shouldn't be 3 6, it should be 1 6. Uh, swerving away from uh, from grace to the law. Uh, swerving away. That's what Paul is talking there in verse 6. Some have swerved away from the commandment of charity and having a pure heart and good conscience and faith unfeigned and have swerved and turned aside into vain jangling, desiring to to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor whereof they affirm. That should be uh, on on your notes. Um... It says First Timothy three six. That should be First Timothy one six. First Timothy one six. So, um, so they want to teach the law, but they don't really understand it. So, defiled fellowship takes us off course. That's why it's important to assemble together. The more and more as we see the Lord's day approaching, like Hebrews ten twenty five says, and boy, have we been challenged on that the last couple of years, and uh, and so we do. I think more importantly, under I think we understand that more now than we did, you know, a few years ago. And I think assembling together today is a little more precious than it was. I think we took it for granted, you know, uh, before COVID. Now we realize, wow, that's important, and we need to do that. Um, and so uh, also. Uh, biblical fellowship keeps us from being shipwrecked. Serving false teachers will, will mess us up as well. And, uh, and I think I got chapter 3, but I think I meant uh, chapter 1. Uh, let me see, 3.18. There is no 3.18, so should be 1.18 through 20. He says, now unto the, uh, or verse uh, 18, This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare, holding uh, faith and a good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith have made shipwreck, of whom is Hymenaeus and Alexander, who I have delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. Some pretty strong language. A little bit like what we talked about this morning, about don't pray for these fellows, just uh, let God do what he's going to do to them, because they're not sincere in any repentance. 
Uh, again, that reference to be chapter 1, not chapter 3. So Alexander is mentioned behind uh, Hymenius, which indicates he was likely following him, but I couldn't, you know, I wouldn't uh, put all my car, I don't know, 100% sure, but that's what I'm guessing. So we see Alexander in Ephesus in uh, Acts chapter 19 and verse 33. And Alexander had gone from being a Jew who was out of the way uh, to being a man sought after to stand and defend the way of Christ. And so that's an interesting in Acts chapter 19, verse 33. Let's just look at that real quick. Um, it says, And he drew Alexander out of the multitude, the Jews putting him forward, and Alexander beckoned with uh, the hand and would have made a defense unto the people. But when they knew that he was a Jew, all with one voice about the space of two hours cried out, Great is Diana of the Ephesians. And so, uh, now that's interesting because Alexander is uh, is a very important person. He's a key leader. Uh, Alexander had gone from this Jew um, that uh, everybody was willing that was willing to defend Christ, and now we see that he has gone from fellowship in the gospel to uh, shipwreck. And so it can happen. Yeah. Well, maybe it's not. It could be, but I think it could very well be. And so. Uh, in in chapter uh, in Second Timothy two, if you look at uh, chapter two and verse four, it says um, it's a faithful saying. For if we, I'm sorry, uh, no man that wait a minute, I'm in the wrong, I'm in the wrong. Hang on just a second. Four eleven, yeah. Second Timothy four eleven. It's a faithful saying. For if if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. Um, oh, sorry, I'm in the wrong. Four eleven. That's a two eleven. Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring uh, with thee that he that is profitable to me for the ministry. Um, I am. I have the wrong reference here. I am so sorry. I'm looking at verse 14. Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. And so that should be verse, instead of verse 11, I said it should be verse chapter 4 and verse 14. And so um, <clears throat> if this is the same, and very likely is because we're in Ephesus, this Alexander was a coppersmith. And uh, and Paul had Alexander in mind when he warned of covetousness in First Timothy chapter six and verse ten. Uh, in that in that text, it says that uh, um, he says, "For the love of money is the root of all evil, which some coming after they have erred from the faith and pierced them through themselves through with many sorrows." So we're talking about someone who was in the faith who's no longer in the faith. And so I do think that it's very possible this was Alexander. <clears throat> and so um, the same Alexander. If there was ever a love uh, for God, it appears that it was replaced with a love for money, which is incredibly possible. We see that that can happen in the ministry. And we replace the love for God with something else. And shipwrecking, uh, shipwrecking the saints on the shore of faithlessness is what occurs when we allow ourselves to worship anyone other than Christ or anything. I talked about this morning. Keep yourselves from idols, right? So if you're saved uh, tonight, it's important to pay close attention to the things Paul's writing because we are charged to defend the faith, uh, not to defeat the faith, and and the best tools in the devil's hands are disobedient Christians. That's why God gives us uh, this epistle so we can learn our place in God's body for our protection and for God's ultimate glory. So, what happens here in the first in the first opening verses of First Timothy 
is a warning, of course, to Timothy, uh, and, uh, and also an affirming. It, it provides authority. Uh, Paul's coming in, uh, not mincing any words. He's the apostle of Jesus Christ. He's also the father of Timothy. It's an authentic relationship. They both have the same father, and it protects us from the adversary. And of course, uh, Paul is taking Timothy somewhere. He's gonna he's gonna leave him in his stead. He's gonna send him in his place, and he's gonna be in the crosshairs of spiritual warfare. So God's influence on us will directly correlate to our influence with the gospel and uh, and how it gets to where it needs to go on time. So, that is all I have for you tonight. Hmm? Of, of, of faithlessness. Faithlessness. You don't want to shipwreck saints on the shore of faithlessness. So that covers the first five verses. So going back to Second Timothy chapter four, verse fourteen, I think if you go on to verse fifteen, it says, "Of whom be thou aware also, for he hath greatly withstood our words." Yeah, it does say that, verse fifteen. So, um, I think it's interesting. Paul doesn't yeah absolutely he's a threat and uh, he's he's you know he's so serious that Paul's had to call him out publicly and deliver him unto Satan, and deliver him to Satan. yeah that's a pretty serious uh, and he's swerved you know this is I don't think he was probably always that way so it's important that we uh, definitely maintain the faith and uh, stay in the faith and not get uh, pulled away by anything. Well, that's good. We got it in on time. Praise the Lord. So next time we get together, we'll be in the chapter two and or chapter one and verse six. So, yes, I got to turn off the recorder. Lots of things to pray for tonight.